talking to your customers, it must be crystal clear what your USP is. This is why we have the Zenjob code. The first step is to define values. And we came up with four values. And those since then have been more than a guideline for us. Whether it's a strategic question, a hiring decision, it doesn't matter. We go back to those values again and again. Welcome to another episode of Speak Like a CEO. My name is Oliver Aust. I'm CEO of eObser Communications, a best-selling author. And my guest today is Fritz Trott. Fritz is the CEO and co-founder of ZenJob. And I'm really excited to have him here because uh, talent is obviously in very scarce supply. I will say that talent is actually scarcer than many other resources at the moment, is what keeping companies back from growing and serving their customers and clients. So very interested to hear how they manage to fill lots of open positions with very talented people. Hello, Fritz. Hi, nice, nice to be here today. So ZenJob, that's the name of the company. And the company's been around for for eight or nine years, I believe, or seven or eight years, I believe. But is so my job is not really Zen. Is is your job Zen? Uh yeah, that, that that's a good question. I think we started uh in December 2015. And um as in every startup, there have been ups and downs. And uh I'd say um throughout though those years and all those ups and downs, um We've been, um, yeah, we've been, you know, we've been very lucky that we, when we started, um, uh, we were able to uh, narrow down the reason why we started a company, which was actually, you know, uh, building a technology to give people more um, transparency and control of their work life. And that's something that even in the, you know, in the terrible times or the difficult times that you ultimately face um, as a founder, you know why you are actually getting out of bed, you know why you're going to the office, you know why you try to close a customer. And uh, as long as you remember the why, it's sort of a Zen-like job, I would say. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. What, what is your why? Uh, it is it is literally empowering um, uh, the workforce of the future. Um, so it's literally giving people control over their work life. Um, uh, when we started, uh, we saw that a lot of people increasingly need money, increasingly need a second or a tertiary income um, and uh, have a very limited flexibility over their work life. And uh, we saw the same thing on the company side. We saw that there's a growing number of customers suffering from uncertainties um, driven by, you know, globalization, digitization. Uh, there's a higher and higher um, volatility uh, and uh, it gets harder and harder to, to plan staff, to organize staff, to cover shifts. And, um, yeah, and, and that became our why, actually. Yeah, wow. No, I, I totally agree with that analysis. And you focus on students, right? And students and, and matching students with employers who have a, have a consistent need to have additional people in the workforce on, on a very short-term basis, right? Is that right? Well, actually, we don't focus on students. We we When we started, we offered jobs to all kinds of groups and people with all kinds of backgrounds. And we saw that students is a very... Um, good target group to enter the market uh, you know they're easy to target you know where to find students at least where you should find students and um, over the time then we um, um, 
yeah, we, we, we gained the learnings, we got more and more traction, then we actually opened up our service also to non-students. So everyone with an occupation, meaning with a job, or being a student can also work at ZenJob. That, that makes sense. And do you employ your talent or are you acting as the platform that connects the talent with the employers? Both is right. Uh, we actually are a technology platform for flexible work. And on the one side, we have clients. Those are companies like a food retailer or fashion retailer or a warehouse or a startup or a call center. And on the other side, we have talents, as we call them. Those are people who would like to earn some money on the side. They create a profile with ZenJob. Um, and once we provide them with a matching job, they would get a contract for that specific job. And during that time, they are actually employed by us. Mm -hmm. So we hire the talent for specific jobs. Um, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That, that explains it. Um, I was wondering, every company that um, starts a platform business or a network-based business faces a cold start problem in the sense that um, you know you have to find employers on the one hand and talents on the other side. Um, but obviously, there's no incentive for talents to join the platform if there's no one there, there are no employers there, and vice versa. So how do you overcome that cold start problem? Yes, that's right. This chicken and egg problem or challenge is uh, also very relevant for ZenJob. The way we solved it, and I guess most of the companies have solved it in the past, is that you narrow down and you segment the market for uh, a niche. And then you try to create some liquidity in that niche. Um, you might have heard or read stories of the early days of Amazon with books or you know eBay and, and other platforms. So ideally, um, you, you just narrow down your inventory and your offer to one niche and create liquidity in that niche. In our case, we started in Berlin for short-term jobs, literally same-day assignments, only for a day, in the space of hospitality and in there for housekeeping. So that's all we did at the very beginning. And we, we literally then decided to first pick one side. Back then, it was the client side. So we first... Um, found few partners that would work with us. And then we went on and looked for the talent and staffed the talent on shifts. What got us started was actually, you know, offering the service to one side. And once you had locked in one side, you would then go and rapidly, you know, fill up the, the demand or the supply in that case. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I guess if you have the jobs, then the students or the, you know the, the the job seekers and the talents will will follow. Um, I was obviously narrowing your focus is one part of the equation to make it successful. The other, I guess, is the the messaging part because you have to tell an audience that doesn't really know you at the beginning, both employers and talent, um, why they should trust you and work with you. Because, you know, work is an important part of life. So there's definitely a trust element. It's not just like buying a new shampoo and trying it out. So what, what, what were your learnings in the early days to overcome, um, you know, the initial hesitation maybe on the other side and to reach mes message market fit, which you clearly have? That's right. For us, and I guess for every business, doesn't matter, you know, if it's day one, I believe it's vital that you know, we've been talking about the why, which is, I think, super important. And then talking to your customers, it must be crystal clear what your USP is. 
and that's literally a USP, a unique, you know, a unique selling proposition. And um, in the early days, um, I was very fascinated by Hotel Tonight, which is a, a platform for hotel rooms for the same day, basically, or the same night, which was a niche. And uh, that was very, very special. And that made the company very successful. And when we started, we wanted to offer the highest level of flexibility for both sides of the market. We saw that there's a huge market. It's a massive market, actually. In Germany alone, it's more than 30 billion in revenues. And we're wondering what our addressable market should be and how we could get a foot uh, in the door. It turned out, or we narrowed it down to the flexibility simply because we knew with or based on technology and on a product, we would be able to deliver staff and deliver jobs much faster than anyone else. And that would give us the opportunity to outperform all existing players. And that would allow us to actually get the first clients. And then there's a second uh, topic, you know, I just mentioned it's a huge market. It's also a very crowded market and you have incredibly successful, huge companies in that market. So how could you possibly win and grow in such an uh, ecosystem? For us, the answer was service and customer service, uh, which is something that, you know, um, you can always outperform. You don't need money to outperform. In fact, it's much easier the smaller you are. And if you're a startup of five people, you can be very friendly and you can take a lot of time for your customer. And that's something that, uh, you know, no funding of the world and no technology of the world can compete with. Uh, and that helped us a lot in the early days. That, that, that's fascinating. Um have you managed to keep that up now with hundreds of employees? And if so, how do, do you, is there certain onboarding, certain training to ensure that this customer service first thought is actually, uh, you know, the center centerpiece of, of your company culture? Yes. I mean, we absolutely need to watch out, not to lose it. We regularly validate and check uh, on our processes and, um, also ensure that you know we look at the right metrics not to become too efficient um, or not to uh, let's put it that way we check the metrics uh, not to sacrifice service for the sake of efficiency mm. when it comes to culture in the first year we sat together as a team we were roughly 20 people and we tried to understand when growing fast we tried to understand who would we actually like to work with um who are candidates we would like to give an offer and who are candidates we we'd prefer to pass um besides you know professional experience what is it that we're looking for um and we also asked ourselves what what do we um, you know, if, if there would be a demonstration, what would we write on our transcripts? You know, what, what sort of the monster we would like to kill? Uh, th those were the questions we discussed for two days and, uh, and we came up uh, with, with our vision. And we also um, came back with four values, um, hungry, honest, helpful, and humble. And, um, and those four values since then sort of have been more than a guideline for us whether it's a strategic question, whether it's a hiring 
decision. Um, it doesn't matter. We we go back to those values again and again. And one of those values is helpful also for the sake of service and customer orientation. Um, and that certainly also helps to, even while growing, to ensure that we have this mindset within the company. And um, we also specifically value the teams. We are a technology company with a fantastic product and technology tech team. On the other side, though, we also have operations and we have a fantastic customer care team, our talent care team, and we have our account management team, which is the team caring and looking after our customers. And that's the core of, of the business. I, lo I love these values. I mean, they're very unique. They're very specific to Zen job, but they're also easy to remember, which I think a lot of value uh, propositions fall, fall through, right? Because they're just, oh, they're too complicated or they're too uh, generic and no one can remember them. So I really, really like them. Um, so when, when you hire, when you onboard, uh, do you use the values? Do you sell the values in the hiring process, for instance? Is that something you, you do in order to attract the right kind of talent? Um so we use the values. I wouldn't say that we sell them. It's rather that we check on the values. And mm -hmm. ultimately, um, yeah, as you say, you know, it's great to have four values starting with an H and they're easy to remember. And um, also in the office, you would sort of, whether you like or not, come across those values because of a meeting room named after a value or seeing the values on the wall. However, It's actually not about that, right? Ultimately, it's the behavior, which is based on the values. And that's what we look for. Um, you know, uh, even in an interview, people could tell us or do tell us that they're very helpful or honest or humble. Um, it's ultimately, though, you know, it's about the way you act uh, and the way you behave. And that needs to be aligned uh, with those values. And yeah. also, when you come to the office, you will cram across those values, not because of the signs and the name of the meeting rooms, but rather because of the behavior of the people. Um, you know, those can be small details, but it's about those details. Um, and and that's ultimately also what helps you grow a culture. If, if you stick to those values and you also, in both ways, enforce those values, um, you can actually build a culture. If you just paint the values on the wall, it doesn't help too much. Yeah, interesting. Um, you have hundreds of employees now from many, many different nationalities. You're expanding into different markets now. Um, how does that inform your internal communications and your company culture? Or are these, these four H values so universal that everyone gets it and everyone can sign up to those? Over so that's also it's a good question because of course when we started it was fairly obvious to us what we meant with hungry and what we meant with humble and what we meant with helpful and honest um, and then in the course of the years the organization grew and um, people from all over the world started joining and of course it can be problematic uh, or it can very easily happen that you misinterpret a value. Uh, you know, also for someone German speaking, a value like humble, first of all, is not too easy to, you know, to understand. And what we did is we came up with a sort of directive for every value, meaning honest can be everything and nothing. But what do we mean with it? We actually mean with it, give feedback the same day. Yeah, give immediate feedback. Now, this is something that you can connect with and you understand. 
And that helps you to turn a value into a behavior. And that also makes it scalable. Uh, so when you join a company and you only read honest, I mean, of course, we all would like to be honest, right? Yeah, what does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Yeah. And so, so we decided to come up with at least two, as we call them, like, yeah, directives, or we call it the ZenJob code. And the ZenJob code actually makes the difference because one, as, as I mentioned before, it's the first step, and it's certainly a good one, is to define some kind of values. However, this is meaningless unless you have a behavior that is based on those values. And this is why we have the ZenJob code. And these are very simple sentences that closely connect with the values and describe a behavior in your everyday life um, you know that you should um, yeah that, 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 that you should follow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's really best practice, right? You have the culture code, which gives the values, sets the tone, but also tells everyone how to behave. Because especially something like honest can be interpreted in many different ways, as you, as you rightly pointed out. So, for instance, I could see this as a leader to, uh, you know, to encourage me to give very harsh feedback. So, oh, that's just honest, right? Deal with it. But that's probably not what you mean, right? So, honest yeah. honest probably means what? Transparency? Or how, how do you fill that with life? Because I think there's a great example to show the difference between value and actually behavior that derives from the value. Yeah, the, the most important thing is also that you always think about the opposite, right? So is the opposite of honest lying, right? Or and, and obviously it's not for us. Honest is being actively clear. The three sort of directors we have is like act with integrity, right? And give honest feedback immediately and do not speak behind colleagues' back. And these are very simple guidelines in your everyday life. After every meeting, every presentation, of course, you have some kind of thoughts and you might also share them with another attendant, right? This was a bit long. Uh, I couldn't understand this or why, you know, whatever the feedback is, whatever the thoughts are, um, don't shy away from giving feedback, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and do not use any opportunity to speak behind your colleague's back, right? Um, and the same for, say, the value hungry. You're a startup. And of course, as a startup, you, you know, you are somehow ambitious and, and you're hungry. And, and we, we decided to specifically say, you know, we want to be obsessed with user experience. In the day-to-day -day life, that means whenever we have a suggestion, let's bring in the data from the users, right? Let's mm -hmm. think and decide from a user's point of view. Um, and yeah, and, and that helps us, right? Um, the same on, of, on being humble, where for us, what does it actually mean? It starts by saying, you know, act egoless. That's for us the first point. And the second one is also a very clear directive, which is fail early and fail often, right? If, if we're not open to fail, uh, how are we supposed to grow the company? And we should then, on the other side, though, also feel safe when failing, right? And knowing that it's accepted to, to, to make mistakes. Yeah, long story short, this ZenJob code is the best way of ensuring that you do not just have some values on the wall, but you actually live a culture and ensure a certain level of behavior and common understanding of the right behavior across a growing organization. Great. I think that's exactly the bridge that companies need between the values and 
the, the company culture, which is, you know, what happens when the boss is not around. I'd love to circle back to your why, to your vision, and you used uh, phrases like uh, your time, your rules, improving the future of work with tech. Could you, could you speak to that? So why is that, um, why is that relevant? Why do we need to improve the future of work with tech? If you, if you look around, uh, it doesn't really matter into which industry you look, you will see that that industry has significantly changed because of technology. Um, if you look in the space of consumer, say entertainment, you will see that in the past people were watching TV or were listening to the radio. And all you could do is change the volume or change the channel. And then suddenly Netflix came up and Spotify came up. This changed that industry completely. Now you have much more control, more transparency, more choice, and customization. This is something we have seen not only in entertainment. We've seen the same in, say, travel, you know, with Uber, Airbnb, Booking.com. Um, we've seen the same in finance and banking, you know, with trading apps and so on. It doesn't matter into which industry you look. Even dating with Tinder, you know, is, a, is an example or, or e-darling and others. And when we started, we looked into work and we saw models in work such as, you know, Indeed or Stepstone or LinkedIn. However, these models are not solving the problem end-to-end. -end. They give more transparency and they also give, to a certain extent, more customization. However, all you could do is sort of land an interview, you know, or as a company get CVs. But it didn't do the same to the world as Netflix did to movies or TV. At the same time, though, we saw that more and more people want to be more independent, want to have more control over their work life. Uh, people of my age, you know, start um, doing sabbaticals, right, and work from home or don't want to work in a suit or want to job. Uh, hop jobs every every two years and um, there's just a new way of working that has started it got even more accelerated by the pandemic but it's certainly not over and it's only the beginning we strongly believe that by offering a technology and a product we can truly solve a problem um, people and companies face already and will face even more in the future Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I was asking partly because I suspect you have big ambitions, which we may not already see beyond what we potentially already know. I should add that um, just last month, you announced that you raised another round of $50 million dollars and you're expanding into the UK, into the Netherlands. So clearly, Zenjob is growing and it's expanding and is, you know, has, has, has deep pockets at the moment. So I'm curious to know what the plans are beyond what, what's already known. Yes, it's a bit connected to to the chicken and egg uh, topic that we that we touched on earlier. We started in the niche of a niche of a niche, right? We started with same day short term jobs in housekeeping for hotels uh, for students in Berlin, and this is a problem we solved uh, and that worked fairly well. And we then gradually expanded horizontally as well as vertically into other cities, into other job types, uh, into different lengths of jobs and so on. And 
the problem we are solving is not a Berlin problem, nor is it a you know a Germany, not even a European problem. It's actually a global problem, and it's our ambition to solve the problem on a global level. Um, all around the world, we have uh, or we do see people short of jobs, wanting to earn more, having no flexibility of their uh, you know over their work and 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 their lifetime. Think about uh, hundreds, thousands, actually millions of people commuting every day. Think about people uh, having burnouts, having stress, not enjoying their colleagues, not enjoying their job, uh, being frustrated, also not being productive. Um, there's so much that can be done by offering flexibility and more control. Um, in 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 work, and for both sides, by the way, um, uh, you know, and um, and that's our ambition. Uh, and you know, it's it's very important to uh, grow step by step, and not to make the third step before the second. On the other side, um, yes, we have hungry in our values, and uh, we are very ambitious, and um, we also are very excited by the strong growth we we, we have, and um, yeah, we we'll be keeping that up. Yeah, uh, that's a nice segue to your, your fundraising journey. I think 2016 or 17, you you faced uh, almost bankrupt. That's at least what one of your co-founders uh, said in a talk. Uh, now you just raised 50 million. So could could you first allude to uh, the, the crisis you faced back then, the existential crisis, and how did you overcome that? And then we talk about you know um, the the windfall of the last few months. Absolutely. Um, so we started the company. Um, um, hitting a gold mine i'd say by more or less accident we saw that there's a problem that we are able to solve um, and that went very well uh, we started hiring a team launching our first product and had customers as well as talents piling up uh, and queuing and um the future looked very bright. Uh, we also had investors uh, who wanted to join our round um, however after the year, we also suffered from, I guess, the typical early stage phase where, you know, we were not in control of the growth. We didn't have the transparency. We had uh, customers signing and booking, but we were not yet uh, fully understanding actually how the model works, how to retain the customers, how to collect. Uh, and it, it turned out actually during our first fundraising that the company was not in a shape, not in a stage uh, of the growth, meaning we were doing revenues, we were hiring customers, but the whole, uh, uh, you know, it was completely early stage. It was, there was no structure there. Uh, it was a limited, uh, you know, it was very, very uh, fragile in terms of organization, in terms of processes. And um, and rightly, investors back then in 2016 decided to pull out and, and not to invest, um, which left us actually on the day of the Christmas party with the very sad news that we, uh, we didn't get the promised funding and um, the company was at risk. Um, at the same time, we also uh, learned that as a team, as a management team, um, we had... Uh, different views um, we decided we had to split our ways and uh, ultimately during that christmas time we had to make a tough decision to uh, you know reduce the size of our team and um, we went to our early 
uh, stage investor uh, to get a loan and keep the company alive and then spend uh, day and night to uh, you know fix the issues and get the company back on track and um, specifically those investors who had pulled out uh, gave us clear feedback and gave us a very honest view uh, on the company and that was uh, very helpful and um, we basically took that list and uh, worked yeah day and night to you know check those boxes and uh, at some point we actually got again into conversations with those same investors we got them back to the table and ultimately we signed a deal we closed our round we got funding later on we got even more funding from them and um, since then the company knows only one direction which is uh, straight up that, that's super interesting so you, so you basically they gave you feedback you you fixed the issues they pointed out to you when you went back a few months later and said okay we listened we learned we've applied it is that how it went <laughs> Um, yes, I think it's also connected to our values. You know, we had by that time, we already had those values in place um, and we had our vision and mission in place. And first of all, back then, this is what kept us going. Um, we we were very, and you know, there's a certain relationship of those four values. So on the one side, we're very hungry, right? And you need to be very hungry. On the other side, though, you also need to be humble, you need to stay on the ground. If you're only hungry, it doesn't work. If you're only humble, same thing. So both, it's the mix that makes. And the other one is are honest and helpful. You know, being very honest means to give, you know, to, to, to state your opinion. And But if you're not doing that in a helpful way, you, it doesn't get you anywhere. You will not convince uh, your partners. You will not never, ever, you know, close a customer or hire a talent. And it's the mix of those four values that we also saw in those investors. A lot of investors pulled out, but there were those specific two who gave us exact feedback and they told us what what they saw and they explained to us why this was a problem and that helped us to you know actually understand how to fix it and you know how to actually build up the company again and obviously that was also a very strong foundation for um yeah you know for the future and the coming years and still today is yeah, that, that's such a great answer and I, I think that's what some early stage startups get wrong sometimes that they think this is more of a transaction when in fact it is in many cases a long-term partnership and both sides should be looking very carefully whether they want to enter that partnership also because the values need to be aligned uh, otherwise you you probably run into trouble if one side is, is very hungry and the other is not or one side is very um um is, is very ambitious and the other side is, is sort of seeing this as a lifestyle choice then it's not going to work so I, I, I really like that before we have to close I wanted to ask you about uh, the last round 50 million dollars I mean that's I'm sure that's a very different conversation from the early days um, and I would love if you could you could share a few insights you know, what did you take away from this round in terms of communication sure uh, I think to a certain extent, it is actually exactly the same. So in every round, we were able to pick our partner and we were able to meet um, the partners behind the fund or in front of the fund. And um, it was always a decision for the people. Uh, I strongly believe 
you know, it's people's business and I strongly believe that it stands and falls with the right people. And specifically in this round, uh, we were very fortunate to meet with Anne and John from, from Arrogant Global. Um, they share our vision um, and they also share the economic opportunity of our business model. Um, and finally, um, they have a, uh, an international, a global view and approach. And all three are very decisive for us at this stage. It's not only about um, the capital. It's mainly about sharing the ambition and the vision. It's about, you know, seeing the economic opportunity, which for us is, is, is fantastic. And finally, it's about, you know, us being a company that is in the face of internationalizing and um, therefore uh, is very happy and lucky to have such an international partner now on, on board. Perfect. Before we close, can I ask you, what's your best advice in terms of communication you give to your younger self, maybe five years ago or 10 years ago? Oh, not sure if uh, I would know where to start. <laughs> I think, um, um, I think certainly certainly arguing from uh, the customer side or uh, the value side is the one that that helps you most to to achieve your goals uh, and the other one is that very often i saw myself and also others confusing being right and achieving a goal and uh, you know it's always about achieving the goal it's not about being right and um, sometimes it's not easy not to be right but uh, if you you know if you're really committed to achieve a goal um, uh, it's certainly uh, a good advice to my earlier self uh, also to others to to follow that line yeah. uh, that's that's great advice Fritz Todd CEO and co-founder of Zenjob thank you very much for your time I'm sure we're going to uh, hear an awful lot of you guys uh, as you go about your international expansion and, and probably expand into other parts as well of the work uh, environment so thank you Fritz and uh, thank you for listening and see you next week thank you bye